what to, you must be all over the place down there. What I, I don't understand why there's different schedules to start school around the country. Like, why do we... I've never understood that either. Like, when we were kids, we'd see back-to-school ads in July, and it would piss us off royally. But <laughs> now that I'm older, I realize that's because other parts of the country are about to start. <laughs> right. So, um, that, you know, if you're watching national TV and they were showing back to school as in July, it's because there were parts of the nation that were, were headed to school. And I don't know why, because in the hottest part of the country, it seems like they go to school in the hottest month of the year, which is, is kind of, kind of interesting. I don't know, uh, why, why that's done. I guess it's probably tradition more than anything else, but there are people that would like to push it back. I'm sure but they get done. They get done before Memorial Day. Yeah. That's, that's nice, you know. Yeah, that's. I guess, it's, uh, I guess that, depends that... on what depends on what your priority is and what you what you're trying to achieve. Like they have a vacation week in September down here. It's kind of funny. They they barely get started four or five weeks, and they're taking a week off, and then they don't have another one until Thanksgiving, Christmas that that time. So different. I've always proposed that there should be a a, a vacation week uh, the weekend before Columbus Day or whatever they call it now, because then you could take the week off to go to the Freiburg Fair. You have the following Monday off. You know, you could call it fall break. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you could do that, and you could start earlier. But, oh, yeah. You know, what? there are people that don't want to do that because, oh, it's so hot. Well, it's hot at home, too. So. It's <laughs> hot pretty much everywhere at this point, and some of these new schools have air conditioning, so it's not quite yeah, as hot as we would think. Yeah. So, you know, it's all right, yeah. and... You know, maybe someday too we can get the basketball tournament in on a on a you know maybe, maybe you know imagine that maybe you know, not or, shuffle that in with everything else and maybe you know, the double maybe, A's maybe push the season until March and and have a vacation then and and have a longer season you know crazy ideas but it's and a, then not have that month of mud season or before mud season where there's just nothing going on. There is nothing going on during that Absolutely time. Absolutely nothing. Oh, that, that, that's the void of, of all voids. I mean, it, 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 it's it's nothing. It's nothing, 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 and and you're not allowed to do anything, you know, team wise for spring sports. So it's just pointless. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It creates this huge gap of of just like the wasteland that you can't really get anything done in when you could have. And yet they insist on having this overlap between state football and, and basketball, uh, which you know there's no need for when you have that month on the other end, but nobody's figured that out because, by golly, we need to have you know basketball tournament during February vacation. Well, why not have a March vacation? And, you know, if, if, if that's what dictates when vacation is, let's change when, when vacation is. Yeah, well, and to me, I think that would be the way to go. Like, I've always thought the April vacation was the one. Like, I always feel bad for athletes and yeah. coaches because athletes and coaches, they don't get vacation you don't get the vacation in december because if you're playing winter sports you're going to be at a tournament you're going to have practice you don't get anything in february because if you're playing on a team that's any good you're going to be playing basketball all that week you can put sports writers in that category too because it used to be a big you know jockeying for position okay who's going to take what week in july and august and you know there were only so many weeks to go around and when everybody in the sports department had been at the sun journal for like 20 plus years they all had four weeks vacation You know, <laughs> it was a it was a little bit of a little bit of a two step to figure out who was gonna be off when. No, that's so funny. It's so true that that's that's how that that's how that works. How's the coaches show treating you down there? You you're all in HD now with that thing. I I am I'm up in all, all up in the house there in HD. Yeah, it, it's it's good. You know, we that's sort of an ongoing thing 
year round, really, because we start we start football season, which tends to go to Thanksgiving, and then uh, that immediately rolls into basketball season, which around here tends to go into March, which immediately rolls into <laughs> baseball and softball. So you want to talk about no, you want to talk about an overlap or no breaks? There's there's the season there, but. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a good thing, and you know, a coach's show is only as good as the coaches involved, and I've got some of the best, so it's uh, it's a lot of fun. We're talking with Cali Oaks. Of course, you can catch him on the uh, every other week in the Sun every Journal. Other week. You know, yeah, your recent hot corner was about looking back, and I was I love that. I was looking back earlier this morning. Um, of course, uh, the news came out over the weekend that former Maine Guides manager Doc Edwards guy uh, yeah. died. And uh, we got to have Steve Buckley on and, and talk a little bit about the guides a little bit. But, I mean, man, people just don't – people just do not grasp how, how Old Orchard Beach, Maine had a triple-A baseball team. Like, and it just – it was in and out, and it was – like, that was a huge part of Maine sports and Maine baseball history. And it just doesn't – to me, it just does not get talked about enough. Just no, nah, it was a huge deal to be that close to the. You know, you think of the guys that were on that team, Dave Gallagher. I saw Dave Gallagher on Twitter last night because I don't know somebody uh, somebody shared a, a status of his, and it was like, wow, Dave Gallagher. And he was he was a guy that, uh, that I don't think was was actually touted as being he he was the the public face of that team, but he wasn't talked of as a as a major league prospect. And then he was he was up in the bigs for seven or eight years, as I recall. So. Uh, some, some, you know, Corey Snyder was going to be the next big thing on that team, and he just could never hit the curveball. The 1987 tops, Corey Snyder was a future star. I used to pick it. <laughs> yeah. where, Ryan, where in it was the place in Mexico? Okay, all right, we're gonna we're gonna go. I can't remember, and it began with a K. I wanted to say Kits, but maybe not. But where you get the baseball cards? So you drive through, you drive through Mexico. Okay, and there's the shopping plaza. That's where Laverdiers used to be, yep. and the shop and save. And then you would, and then before you kind of take that, you'd veer right, like you were headed out towards Andover and headed out towards Galant's Discount Furniture. Before you'd get there, and even I think before you'd get to Weston's Pub, you'd have to take a left, and there was this baseball card store. And it was every just town had, full. Every town had one of those guys. It yeah. was like, thought he was going to start a baseball card shop out of his basement. We had, we a, had two. We had one. Nowhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every I, time. I'm, I'm lost. I don't, no, I don't it know. It was, it was just outside of Mexico. It was just, I mean, it was probably a couple blocks behind the chicken coop. It was not far away. Begin with a K. Keds? It was like kits or kit, something like that. I can't remember what it was. It's not there anymore. It's it's just a house now. It's a well, the, yeah, the building well, is still there. It's not there anymore. What what collectible place? You know, there I mean, there was the one we had in Dix. We had one in Dixfield uh, in that old brick house that was on Weld Street. There was a little side room right yeah. there. Um, that was owned by the Withams dad. Yeah. And um, but there was but before that there was the one in Mexico that I used to go to, and that's where I used to get all my. All my cards. You go in there, and it was it was lined up. All your team sets were on the right, and then there was the other place I used to go to in Wilton. There's a place in Wilton on the way to Farmington that you could go on the left, and they would have cards in there too. That they used to have card shows every weekend. That was kind of when it all went to hell. Yeah, yeah, right there. When I, when I was seven, eight years old, it was tops. Period. And yeah. then and then Fleer and Don Ross came out. I was like, okay, I can live with that. I mean, even even though the cards are not at least those early years didn't seem to be on the same. Uh, same quality, same level, and then it's just like it just exploded in this ridiculous manner. There was like twenty people manufacturing cards there in the early nineties. Like, I, who could keep up with that anymore? Yeah. And now you go in and it's like 
now you go to like the dollar store and there's uh, a pack of five cards for a buck and it's like five cards you know, five i mean i you could buy 15 for a quarter and you know, i know i sound old but and get chewing gum with that too that would ruin the, one of the cards the on the back horrible, the most horrible chewing gum in the world you know that could survive a nuclear holocaust it was crunchy and and uh, yeah, it, it was uh, those those were years. I mean, it was when it was just tops. It was exciting because you could collect a, you could collect an entire set just from the wax packs. It was great. Those were the days. I think you're gonna stick a gum in the Cabbage Batch kids too. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. I didn't have the oh the garbage or the, uh, the garbage yeah yeah the garbage, garbage fail, fail kids, kids. That's yeah. What it was. Yeah. yeah the garbage fail kids garbage they, they also had like Mork and Mindy cards and and I collected those for a while. So I had some. I used Star to pick Wars. up some WWE cards. Those are pretty good yeah. for a little bit. And then I've still got Happy a bunch days. of them from back in the day. But guess what? They're still worth the exact same amount they were back then because uh, they're, probably, they're worth the paper they're on right yeah, now. Yeah, it's I mean, pretty I mean, much. And I'm not yeah. bitter about that in any in any sort of way. But. Um, you talk in your your article this week about going back and and you know we we really have had a lot of good athletes in Maine and you got uh, the the Sun Journal has really gone over and, and really brought up the stories of quite a few of them because even if they didn't make it quite to the pros or they didn't make it you know to the majors or, or this or that or the WNBA or whoever like these are all guys that the in in gals that that did stuff in the state of Maine and and were very good at what they did. You know, I, Dustin Ireland. That's that's a story that needed to be told. Absolutely, I'm glad, they, glad they hit that because I mean, I think it was under I think it was underreported that that guy actually went and played at the Air Force Academy and played a position that he had not played in high school because he didn't play quarterback there. And you know, a lot of people told him he couldn't. You know, Maine Maine recruited him hard, and I guess there was a story uh, in that in that feature on him where you know they basically they basically said, well, if he goes to the Air Force, he'll never play, and man, he proved them wrong. So. Just a, just a great kid there, and, and you know the three pitchers that, that they've that they've done. I think they've been three: Shorty Fairchild and uh, uh, Lambert, all all pitched professionally. And uh, you know there there's three three athlete guys. They played three sports, seven three sport guys. They played uh, they played all year long and other things, and, and they were playing in a part of the country where we don't think of, of baseball as having much of a window, as we talked about. You know, it's a six or seven week season for the most part, and. Uh, there's guys that uh, that flirted with the big time, and uh, but but we're all good guys on top of it. All high quality guys that have done done superb things since they uh, since they left baseball. So I think that's probably the best the best part of it. And, you know, certainly basketball too. A lot of a lot of people uh, probably acknowledged uh, Maine basketball this week with the, the Hall of Fame inductions, and you know, a lot of a lot of ballyhoo about Cindy Blodgett going in. But how about Heather Ernest? I mean, uh, she's the one that kind of continued it and. And kind of kept that main program on top for a few more years uh, back in the early 2000s. So it's uh, some great, definitely some great stories. I mean, and I, and I, from what I hear, there are, there are more coming. Uh, I think I think I've heard somebody hint that Jared Turcott might be on the list. So it'd be great to catch up with him because there's a guy that I think a lot of us uh, legitimately thought until he got hurt, we uh, probably had had a chance to be part of that University of Maine pipeline to the NFL. I mean, he had that kind of uh, that kind of drive and that kind of ability. Totally agree. Nothing with Andy Bedard yet, huh? I was just another, going to throw one that name. That seems pretty obvious, uh, you know. Uh, I mean, even go as far as T.J. Coet. There's a lot of there's a, those are those are two guys that I would like to hear their stories. T.J. I mean, Coet. I think T.J. Coet is uh, from you know. Last person I 
heard uh, having an interaction with him was a cousin of mine that lives out of state and saw him at some uh, business-related function, and they were talking about Maine basketball, and he sent me an email and said, hey, I met T.J. Cowett. So he's out there doing great things, too. And, uh, yeah, I, mean, it, I, I think this is the kind of series that could just continue forever, really. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about people in our lifetime, but there's guys that probably uh, – Probably were big names in the in the sixties and seventies that are still around that we don't we don't think much about or don't know much about. So uh, there's there's certainly some potential there. I I still think my 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 goal at some point I don't know when is I want to do the I want to do the verbal um you know they they do this thing now where they they break it down like the like the in depth sort of thing on that. I want to do in depth on seventy one sixty nine Dirigo beats beats Mountain Valley in in, in nineteen ninety two. <laughs> Because that, that was, was a big the, game. That was the crazy. Were you at that game? I I I think I was because you always talk about it. it doesn't it doesn't uh, doesn't stand out for me as much as it did for you. But uh, it, it the only reason it stood out for me is because is you know when I went to school at Dirigo, they didn't win anything. There was no well, winning, and, and Mountain Valley just down. formed. It and, boys and girls basketball was down for quite mm-hmm. a while. It was the better part of ten years until Gavin Kane got there. Yeah, and it was it was. The 92 team, it was either 92 or 93, and, I mean, Jamie Robinson was coaching. The The Cougars didn't even, like, they didn't even make, even with all the heel points they they got in that game from beating Mountain Valley, they still did not even qualify for, like, a prelim that they, year. They, they had T-shirts that's made. That's when everybody made it. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It was wild. I'm like, really? This is, but it was the wildest one night atmosphere i've never been in a building that hot in my life in in january it was nuts and bedard still almost won the game at the end with a 45 footer that fell off the front of the rim it hung there for a second it was like that remember that episode of magnum pi where tc's kid uh tc and magnum are going up against each other and tc's kid hits the hook shot and it spins around the rim about eight times like i swear to god bedard's jumper hung there yeah yeah, and it just lays there for a while and you're like that thing's gonna fall in and it dropped off and the place just erupted because you couldn't believe it but that i don't know that game to me like those are the stories because those games happen so rarely especially in the regular season where they're just you such... know, my my Andy Bedard memory and this is a funny one because of how quickly they will postpone tournament games now if there's foul weather was the state final yeah uh, I mean just an absolute freaking blizzard I mean it took me three and a half hours to get to Bangalore that night uh, and and then and then they start the game against Camden and he he can't hit the broad side of a barn. Missed his first four over, shots. Over his first four. Uh, most of them airball. You know they weren't they weren't close. And I'm like, wow, this could this could be ugly. And of course, everybody's you know yelling overrated. You know, <laughs> three minutes into the game, and he ends up with 53. And <laughs> that game is on YouTube. Valley by the wind's way. going away. That game is on YouTube. I gotta I gotta put that up. That one's a yeah. uh, that one is a really that's a fun one to go back and watch and go back and, and look at that and. And, and look at those guys doing that. That team, you know, that team had his his supporting cast was, was solid too. You know, and, and they're they're guys that played in college, as Ryan knows, and can can tell you all about them. Sure, and it's just that you know that, that's a team that I think uh, is underrated in the history of. I mean, obviously they won a state title in Class B, but uh, that year I don't think anybody in in, in Class A uh, was any better than they were. I agree. We are talking with Callie Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic and, of course, bi-weekly in the Sun Journal. 
So I'll ask you this, Cal. Is it uh, it's Tuesday? Is it too early for your 250 prediction? Uh, I don't know how you can go against Curtis Gary right now. <laughs> I mean, I, it's too obvious. But I, you know, when when he won, what is it, five in a row now? He's won. I, I look back at the list, and nobody in the history of the Oxford Open Series, Pass, Nepsa, ACT, whatever touring series was running at Oxford, back to the '60s. Nobody has ever won more than three in a row. And you think of all the guys. You think of guys like Mike Rowe, Dave Dion, Robbie Crouch, Dick McCabe, Ralph Nason, Ralph Nason guys, yeah. Jeff Taylor, guys that, Eddie McDonald, guys that went on incredible hot streaks that we thought of. And, and Curtis Gary has, has eclipsed all of them. And you know, here, Here's a guy that uh, he just seems to have it. A, has the place figured out, and B, uh, patient enough now you know back in the day it was these guys that didn't always run the tour who were kind of saturday night guys at, at whatever track they, they race at you didn't think of them as as being factors in that thing and then of course uh, when gary drew and scott robbins won it that kind of changed that for a little while but and then it went away again and it became a for the most part a tour guys right. race. and uh, but uh, with the exception of jeremy wharf but 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 kurt Kurt runs every week at Beach Ridge and, and yet owns Oxford right now. <laughs> so uh, certainly I think he'd be the guy. A lot a lot of hype about Bubba Pollard coming up from the south. So Boston it always excites people, I think, when guys come up from this part of the country to, to race up there for that. And, um, you know, I, no, shortage of, no shortage of contenders. Taylor's going to try it again. Tracy Gordon uh, has Tracy Gordon's of, run well at Oxford. Mothballs this year to, to win a couple of times. And, uh you know how how close has he been to winning that thing? At three three runner up finishes over the years, and some other years where, you know, it was a little ten cent part that kept him from going to victory lane. Uh, so, uh, everybody's in for a real treat up there. I think the field's going to be up this year. Looks like they got sixty three, sixty four entries already. And uh, you it'll know, be up around seventy, I'm sure. But the the, 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 the thing with, with Jeff Taylor is is I mean, can you really? Show up on 250 weekend, and that be your only time that you race and really expect to win. Think, I don't think so. I, I don't think either. That's been the problem for him for the past 10, 15 years. Is you know, no matter what format that race is in, he shows up, and obviously nobody has forgot. He knows more than other people have forgotten about <laughs> about those cars and, and what makes him go. But it's just, you know, a you got to have a, a pit crew that's that's somewhat accustomed to doing that week to week. And B, you know, I think those of us who sit on the sidelines and, and, and you know maybe have raced a little bit on, on on Wednesday nights, like you and I have, but we don't realize how much of a physical toll it takes to do that weekend. And oh, you know, no. Jeff's fifty, Jeff's fifty something years old. I mean, all due respect to him, but it's tough to it's tough to do that once or twice a year exactly. and, and be successful at it. So I wouldn't put him at the top of my list, but it's certainly uh, certainly fun when he's. He's around as, 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 as a guy, you know, for, for us guys that grew up watching him dominate there and be so close to winning that thing, it would be sure nice to, to see him uh, get one before it's over. Talking with Callie Oaks for the Georgetown News Graphic. And every other week in the in the Sun Journal, of course, we uh, we went over everything. I think we went over everything that we need to go. Oh, no, yeah, Oxford 250, that was good. I figured we were going to talk about the 250 today, which, yeah. which is nice. I mean, it's weird to me still, even though they made the move before I before I left up there, that it, that we're talking about it in late August. It was, it was such an interesting mm-hmm. in July for so long. But, I mean, I don't know. I understand. I guess they did it 
for a, a variety of reasons, uh, mostly because it's an off weekend for, for Cup, yet there haven't been any Cup drivers in it for a long time. So. I don't know. It's, yeah, it doesn't appear to have lost any uh, any fan support or anything like that. So I, I guess the move worked for them. I think this is about four years into it now. So. Yeah, it, it's really weird because I remember the first year, first year I ever covered anything, like anything pro, was the year uh, David Ortiz rehab for the Sea Dogs. And I remember sitting in the meeting at the beginning of the year saying, do Major League players ever come down? And they're like, yeah, rarely. And then like that year, here comes David Ortiz to Hadlock Field. That was a zoo. But I remember half the half of the, the media was at Hadlock, and the rest of them were up at Oxford Plains waiting for the rain to end on a Monday or Tuesday night. You know what I mean? Because they were just, yeah, that's what yeah, was happening. Yeah, that was, that was a crazy year, the year Kevin Harvick won it. Um, and for years, for you, you had the Oxford 250 and the Lobster Bowl on the same weekend. Like, I, my first Lobster Bowl was like, I don't know, eight, eight or nine years ago, because it had always been a, a scheduling conflict for me. And then one year, they, one of them moves uh, to a different weekend, and, and I was able to go to that. But uh, it was weird having two of the, two of the biggest spectator events in Maine on the same weekend. It was it was kind of a strange situation for a long time. Callie Oaks joins us from the Georgetown News Graphic. He's covering sports for them now down in Scott County, Kentucky, having as much fun as I think he's probably ever had and uh, gets to buy gas for cheap at Kroger now, and I'm super jealous. That's all right. I would second, I would second all of those things. It's, all right. Uh, it's nice. It's, it's good, to be, good to be king, I guess. And we will uh, we'll talk to you again next week, my friend. Thank you very much. I got Appreciate it. Thank See you. Go. That's Callie Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic in Kentucky, and I believe that concludes our cavalcade of guests today on the B-List.